breaker one, breaker one might be crazy, but I ain't dumb. Crazy cooter coming at you. Hey, fast line, fast track. Y'all got your ears on out there? John Deere to New Holland. Just look at the load I'm hauling. Hard work, I hit it harder. Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer. Sun up to sundown. Backing up traffic all the way to town. Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. It's great to have you with us. On this episode, Jennifer Fox of the World Ag Expo gives us a status report on this year's ongoing virtual show. Jesse Allen has a market talk update, and the hot rod farmer Ray Bohax is talking tires in this week's Bushels and Cents. Finally, we hear the music of John Paycheck, the son of the late country music legend Johnny Paycheck. You won't want to miss a moment of this one. Let's go. Well, first up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, the virtual World Ag Expo is still going full steam ahead. And this week, we wanted to bring back Jennifer Fox, the marketing manager for the International Agri Center and the World Ag Expo, to give us an update on the virtual show. And Jennifer, welcome back to Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again. So first off, the live portion of the virtual World Ag Expo was held February 9th through the 11th. Tell us about some of the highlights of that portion of the show and what was that response like? Yeah. Oh, we were pleasantly surprised. We had over 700 exhibitors, 129 uh, seminar sessions between some instructional things about the platform itself and just some great education. And we just really enjoyed how many people joined us, whether they registered or they just came on and, and didn't register, but got tons of information. It was a busy week. There were questions and exhibitors getting leads. So it worked out better than we could have imagined, but we're also going to be very happy if we never have to do it that way again. But a huge thank you to all those exhibitors and attendees that came and our team did an amazing job. This has been a strange, difficult, weird year for everyone. So I'm just glad everybody, not just at our show, but at other shows, we got to adapt and uh, keep going. So to keep the conversation going and to involve ag industry participants from around the world, uh, you've Mm -hmm. kept the show going uh, through monthly virtual events as well as archive content. This month, the learning is all about water. The next session is a water boot camp coming up February, May the 14th, uh, and it's going to be running throughout this month here. Tell us about this one. So the water boot camp is three sessions, and that's going to be put on by the California Water Institute at Fresno State. And so they're talking about hydrology and water rights and uh, surface water, um, the lots of different um, estuaries and just lots of different things on how water works, mostly in California. But they're also going to talk about watersheds like the Colorado River, San Joaquin, and I think Sacramento. So there's lots of great information if people work with anyone in California, want to just get into that water conversation in general. Um, Just some really good knowledgeable folks. The sessions are, I believe, hour and a half, two hours each, but you can dip in and out of it depending on what you want to hear, because there's even a section on private wells. So we're going to be adding this week um, to those the descriptions, the timing of each of those conversations. So if you only have 20 minutes and you want to do private well, get in on the private well part, We'll have that timing on there for you. So what's up for the rest of the year for the virtual show? Sure. So we have th- uh, themes every month. And to round out this month, uh, May, 
we actually were re-promoting, we're focused on education and um, pest control and then equestrians. So if you wanna learn more about our exhibitors that are in any of those areas, stay tuned. Our e-newsletter is going out tomorrow, um, but also we're gonna have Southern California Edison is coming on board. We're doing a test session this month. They have a ton of great um, energy saving and electrical classes. So we're gonna test one on pumps. So look out for that one coming this month. That is one you have to register for, and then it'll be on demand on our system. But I would also say, look, June, if you're in dairy, we're going to be talking everything dairy for June, because of course it's dairy month. And then July, we're going to be going into irrigation and water because it's smart irrigation month. And so that's where we think Southern California Edison and California Water Institute and some of our other folks will be coming back with even more education for everyone on that list. And if you want to find out anything more about that or any of the other archive content, lots of great archive content there, go to worldagexpo.com and click on the 2021 World Ag Expo online button and visit that uh, online show button there at the top left-hand side of the page to access the show. And as we're kind of winding through 2021 and, and doing all things virtual, you guys are hard at work behind the scenes for the next in-person show, which is being planned for February 8th through the 10th, 2022. They're in Tulare, California. And obviously people can find more out about that show at worldagexpo.com. But tell me what's going on behind the scenes here to start pulling all the pieces together to get everybody back there uh, on site again in 2022. Yeah, so our sales team, Lisa, Gina, and Teresa, are already talking to exhibitors. We've sent out emails to returners um, and 2020 exhibitors reminding them it's time to renew or request space. So if you're somebody that's interested in being in the show, you can go to our website, same thing, worldagexpo.com, and click on the button in the top right asking to request or renew space and get started. Um, we have lots of information there. If you have questions, of course, um, shoot us a note at wae sales at farmshow.org but we're ready for a live show i think everybody's ready to get out in person um and then our the grounds themselves it's crazy you think about dirt just being dirt but when it hasn't been worked on or me we've been maintaining it but when you haven't been prepping it for an event for people to come on it for everything to go on the grounds they're feeling a little different. And so our operations team, the grounds guys are really looking at it going, all right, when, you know, when do we need to start that DG? And we're also looking at, we're starting back with other events. California is getting really ready. June 15th is the scheduled date for California to open back up fully. So this weekend we're doing an equestrian event. We do actually off of World Expo season, we do equestrian like barrel racing and uh, cutting and any kind of Western events. This weekend is a gypsy horse show. So we'll have at least 40 horses here doing a show, but we've got stalls for 160 back there and room to add more temps. Um, so we'll have that. And then we also have a concert scheduled, an actual seated concert scheduled for May 28th. So we'll have some country music out here, sell some beers, just hopefully have everybody have a good safe time. And of course um, we're a large spot. So we also have two different vaccination clinics happening out here, really trying to help Californians get their shots, uh, do what's safe, make some informed choices about their own health, and help everybody get back on track and get back to what feels like a little more normal. We're only about nine months away from the next in-person World Ag Expo, and that might sound like a lot of time right now, but now's the time to get those preparations made to, to be there in Tulare, California for February 
2022. Exciting stuff here. And, and Jennifer, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track to break all this down for us. And uh, we wish you the best of luck going forward here with the shows. Thank you so much. It was so good to talk to you. World Ag Expo Online is not just one week. We'll be here all year long with new information, seminars, links to exhibitors, and more. Mark your calendar to make sure you visit the show website every month. Want to get monthly reminders of updated news and information? Go to worldagexpo.org to sign up for the email newsletter. More than 600 online exhibitors coming from 48 states and 65 countries. Attendance is free for the online show throughout 2021. Just go to worldagexpo.org. Well, it was another interesting week in the markets, and Jesse Allen is here to fill us in on this week's Market Talk Update. Jesse. Well, thank you very much, Brent, for having me for another Market Talk Update here on Fast Line Fast Track as we are through the first full week of May, planting rolling along here across much of the country, although weather turning a bit colder and wetter in parts of the U.S. We're still watching Brazilian weather issues as uh, we're looking at that Safrina corn crop beginning uh, getting smaller by the day. But we turn our focus away here on this week's update from the weather issues and look at a few other factors that are playing into the market trade. I talked earlier this week with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics, and one of the things we started to discuss was the fact that it seems that things are shifting more, the focus is shifting more out of the old crop contracts in corn and beans and wheat and more into the new crop contracts. And here's that discussion I had with Mike. Uh, but I think that's another thing to look at as well as we're kind of we're getting ready and geared up for July to take the lead month. And I think that's another reason why we're seeing some of that money uh, not necessarily flowing into that fr- that May contract right now. Yeah, exactly right. We still have the, the disparity and the premium in the May versus the soon to be lead month July. And it does bode kind of supportive for the July in the basis that what the cash market has done many more interior elevators than I had expected jumped basis levels to against the July futures, which they had to go to, as you said, with first notice day, they had to jump to July, Um, but they also jumped their basis so that their cash bid was the same as the May price and it still holds that way. So you're not done, I don't think in the old crop, but I think what it was about Wednesday was the idea is that we've rationed enough demand for a few hours to be able to back off those bull spreads, because I think we did get up to like a dollar 80 on the July D's corn spread, if memory serves me on Tuesday. So we're really, we're moving very, very aggressively on the corn. And that's maybe a distinction that I continue to hold in the corn versus the beans that maybe the viewer would wanna hear about a little bit is that notice what we saw until Wednesday's trade when both the spreads were weaker. We kept seeing the corn went over the beans in terms of the corn bean ratio. And we kept seeing the bull spread in corn work while the bean spread it got down. I think the July no bean spread is corrected almost 50 cents off its high back in January. July D's corn spread made a new contract high on Tuesday. So the trade, I think, has rightfully gotten behind our idea that there's less corn in South America and more beans in South America. Data Grow came out on Wednesday afternoon, took their corn number down to, I believe it was about 100, yeah, 105.5 million tons and uh, took their bean number up to 136.3. So I am lower than almost everybody out there, I think, on the beans. I'm still right around that 131 and a half, 132 and a half level. And I've been trying to creep up a little bit as I've seen more and more harvest take place. But I think the market in general has finally caught wind of the idea that there's going to be a lot more pressure on competition on supply of 
soybeans coming out of South America and a lot less in the corn. Well, looking ahead at a few things here, Mike, uh, we obviously have a USDA report coming up next week uh, that may report that new Wansdy. From what you're hearing here, you know, early on, as we head into that report, are you hearing that then we might see some surprises, anything that's really going to stand out to us, do you think, in this report? Or is this going to be kind of a, a ho-hum report, maybe a confirmation of some of these things that we're thinking right now? I think that's the best way I'd frame it is the latter part, is that we better have confirmation that, A, we haven't lost any export demand, we haven't lost any crush or ethanol demand, and we've seen the South American corn crop go down. Because I think these three things – are extremely well priced into this market at this point. I mean, when we're hitting 750 plus uh, front end corn prices, Jesse, my price model would say that you're down around a 900, maybe even an 875 carryover right now for old crop corn. I'm not saying that's not accurate. I'm not saying the trade's not right by being there, um, especially if you tack on some, some more export bushels and the export pace staying stronger uh, through June, July because of Brazil's crop problems. Uh, but I think we've got a lot of premium priced in. So I think we don't want to buy the rumor, sell the fact report. I think that's where I'm headed when it comes to the May crop report. I had a client from Southern Indiana, right on the Indiana, uh, Kentucky border, about 50 miles from Louisville, uh, call me today. And he said, I just sold the rest of my old crop corn. I'm about 50% planted in corn and beans. It's looking wetter and wetter and wetter. And I'm wearing long sleeve shirts. Right now, should I go ahead and buy back some of the old crop? And my advice to him, just knowing him one-on-one, was just hold pat until we see the report because of this premium I think we've got baked in right now. And again, that's comments with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics from earlier this week on Market Talk. You can find the Market Talk podcast each weekday. Got a few different updates each weekday. You can find that all online, markettalkag.com, and link up to all your favorite streaming sources, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon, SoundCloud, and so much more. And also our YouTube channel. You can watch all the podcasts in video form as well. This has been another Market Talk update for Fast Line Fast Track in Nashville. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. And you can find Jesse's daily market updates at markettalkag.com. Again, that's markettalkag.com. And you can find him by searching Market Talk on Facebook. He also appears on the American Ag Network. And you can hear him host Your Ag Today. Weekday mornings about 6.50 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, Rural Radio, Channel 147. Chandler Equipment. For 51 years, Chandler Equipment has been manufacturing excellence. The finest quality in pull type and truck mount fertilizer line spreaders and litter spreaders fertilizer tenders seed tenders and litter conveyors they also sell a full line of raven industries precision ag products to find out more about the full chandler product line or to find a chandler equipment dealer near you visit chandlerequipment.net or give them a call at 800-243-3319 well next up on fast line fast track it's time for another installment of bushels and cents with our buddy the hot rod farmer raybo hacks don't forget you can check out all of his great multimedia content at farmmachinerydigest.com welcome to bushels and cents from farm machinery digest radio heard exclusively on sirius xm channel 147 rural radio i am your host ray bohax the hot rod farmer and never forget it is not what you make but what you keep that counts regardless of if the tire runs on the road or in the field follow these simple steps to be safe and maximize their service life 
The proper tire pressure for the application is critical to performance and soil compaction if used in the field. Too much is just as bad as too little. Run your hand over the tread and the sidewall to check for uneven wear, damage, and cracking. Try to keep in-service and stored tires out of the sun to limit UV damage and aging from excessive heat. Agriculture runs on machinery, profits on reliability. Visit FarmMachineryDigest.com where steel and soil meet. And don't forget, Ray Bohax has launched Farm Machinery Digest Radio on Sirius XM Rural Radio Channel 147. It airs each Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern and again on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern. So I hope you go and give them a listen. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, we head on over to the musical side of the house where our special guest is a singer-songwriter, the son of a country music legend, and a defender of our great country. He has some new music out that we can't wait to share with you this week. John Paycheck, welcome in to Fast Line Fast Track. Man, thank you so much. Appreciate being here. How you been? Oh, just uh, busy as ever. Um, between music and working for the Army and everything else I'm doing. Kids, yeah. <laughs> like everybody else. <laughs> and we were just commiserating over some coffee here just a few moments ago here. Both of us trying to uh, just keep going. Here. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. They, they, they get longer. <laughs> To make it to the finish line of the weekend. And I tell you what, John's been so gracious to join us this evening as he's uh, had drill this weekend with his Army unit. And first of all, uh, thank you, Major John Paycheck, as well as your wife, Samantha, who's in the Army for your service to our country. Both are uh, combat veterans and have dedicated a good portion of their lives to preserving our freedom. Now, now when you say you spent uh, the weekend at drill, uh, what all does that entail? Uh, I mean, normally, like, in a reserve unit, uh, drill entails, you know, going through, uh, for an officer, especially going through doing a lot of administrative work and, uh, keeping your unit ready to deploy. Um, uh, the type of unit I'm in, it does a little bit different work. We are, I'm with the 75th innovation command and, uh, that's out of Houston, Texas. And, uh, we, uh, are preparing our, our military, our army for the future fight through technology improvement and, uh, and, and how we structure the military, how we structure the army, I should say. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So Good for those time. for those unfamiliar, when did you enlist in the army, and where all has it taken you during your career? Two thousand five is when I went in, and I uh, commissioned a little bit later, uh, about two years, a little more than that, actually later, uh, and became uh, an intelligence officer, and then went on to become an aviator. Uh, before that, I was with a tanker unit um, enlisted. So yeah, and uh, yeah, I've been I've been a lot of different places. Um, last point deployment was, uh, Afghanistan. Uh, yeah. And you've been in 17 years. Uh, what does the future for the military look like for you? For me, uh, three more years and then I'm done. <laughs> uh, I'm just, uh, just, just a little tired. Done it, done it a long time now, but, uh, uh, yeah, probably, probably just stay at the same rank I am and, uh, keep working with the innovation command, uh, or another local unit. And then, yeah, that's about it. Wraps it up for me. My wife will go longer than me probably. What what inspired you to get involved to begin with? Wow, yeah. Um, honestly, it was before nine eleven. I had always wanted to get into the service some way because of, of my my mom's father, my grandfather. Um, he was a marine uh, during World War Two, and uh, I, I always just identified with that really well, and and the culture I, I fit into pretty well. So uh, after nine eleven happened, um, I kind of just Put everything down and decided that's what I was going to do. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of did it in slow baby steps. I went in a little later. And uh, first portion of it was uh, I, I went in to uh, I became a firefighter. And uh, 
I enjoyed that culture and that group and those, those type of people um, and uh, really enjoyed firefighting. And uh, after that, I was like, yeah, I think I need to go ahead and commit to this. And there I went. And uh, never looked back, huh? Yeah, no, didn't really. Um, I had a lot of different jobs so far um, between uh, intelligence and aviation. We got four different airframes, um, flown Blackhawks, uh, flown Kiowa, uh, flown uh, the C-12 King Air, which is a, actually, a, it's not a helicopter, it's an airplane. Um, that's what I did, like I said, last tour in Afghanistan. And uh, yeah, I've uh, had an interesting career. It's been fun. It's been fun and interesting and uh, a lot of hard work, but yeah, good job. How has the outlook you gained through your service to the country shaped the, the way you write songs and how you look at music and, and in life in general? Well, it, that's, a, that's an interesting, interesting question. Um, there is a lot, of, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. You, uh, you see a lot of things that a lot of people don't get to see. Um, uh, you, uh, <laughs> a lot of range of emotions that you may not tap into as, as much, uh, on the civilian side, or at least you do in a different way. But, uh, yeah, it, it gives you a, a pretty big, big and broad perspective. My whole life's been kind of a big and broad perspective. Um, you start out, you know, working for my dad on the road when I was, you know, a kid and, uh, been around the music business and that was a whole different carnival ride. And then after that, you know, it was me hanging out with, honestly hanging out with farm kids and uh just a big different group of people all kinds of different people right so yeah i uh and then then with the fire department that was different that's that's civil service and then i go into military service and yeah i mean i've had kind of a roller coaster of a of a, of a life but it's been it's been really good so far and there's a lot more to come evidently so well, I'll tell you what, you talk about that carnival ride, and we're going to delve into that a little bit later on here, but uh, a lot of that has really shaped uh, the, your feelings about the state of true traditional country music, and uh, I want to just kick things off tonight by sharing uh, one of your songs here, uh, where, where Did Our Country Go? Tell us about this one. So I wrote this one a couple of years ago, and uh, it was when I was debating getting into all this, and uh, yeah, I... Uh, I was really just irritated by the direction that country music has gone. Um, some comments that I had heard about uh, current artists saying about our previous uh, legacy artists, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it fired me up pretty good. And uh, I know it fired up from my my uh, legacy kid friends. Um, uh, it, well, I'll leave it at that. But anyway, so yeah, it kind of got me thinking about where you know where's the country music I used to listen to? Where is, where, where did that go? Why is that sound gone? And it's not totally gone. There's artists out there that are, that are doing it too. Uh, Alan Jackson, I'm, I guess I'll plug him, but he just, his new album is great. And it, it, it touches on the same anthem. Um, so we're not the only, we're not the only people that are not happy with the direction the music has gone. So but yeah, that's, that's what inspired it. Absolutely. And for anybody who hasn't had a chance to listen to that, Alan Jackson, go, go search that. He, he's dropped uh, three songs from that. And one of them does speak directly to that. And it's a very poignant song and cuts right to the I came out first, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I tell you what, it really harkens back to uh, what country music is supposed to uh, sound like, at least in my mind. And I know in your mind, and I'm going to roll this for, for everybody to listen to and, and they can make up their own mind. This is Where Did Our Country Go here on Fast Line Fast Track. 
songs playing on the radio They don't sound like no country I know Turn on. 
Pop stars and false troubadours. You might find them on country radio, but not here. We've got the the real thing here. Great stuff there, John. Thank you, man. Thank you. So I tell you what, for anybody out there who may be a little slow on the uptake and hasn't put two and two together yet, uh, John's the son of the late country music legend, Johnny Paycheck, who for many years was one of the standard bears uh, for country music. So when you sing about the disappearance of that true traditional country music with that fiddle and steel guitar, that's something that's absolutely near and dear to your heart. Yes, it is very much so. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you can have country music without a steel guitar. You can kind of do it without fiddle a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, without a steel guitar, I, I don't, it's, it's not country, but that's my opinion. Right. So that's, yeah, is what it is. But yeah, I mean, when I was on the road with dad, yeah, that, that would not, that would not pass. <laughs> no, for sure. One of the, one of the best to ever do it. So one of the first questions I always ask my guests when they come on here is who some of their musical influences are. And so many of them uh, tell stories about riding around in their grandfather's truck, listening to cassette tapes of different artists, uh, you know, prominent artists of the 60s through the 80s. Uh, when did you first find yourself becoming interested in music and, and outside of your father? Who were some of the other int- the ar- other artists who stood out to you? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting because, I mean, so I'm the son of this country music singer. And it took a while, really, for me to realize what did dad do, you know, and, and kind of get it like, oh, dad's kind of a big deal, I guess. Okay. And, uh, then, uh, you know, growing up, I met a lot of different artists and uh, it was always George Jones was always around him and Merle and all that kind of fun stuff. But they were just these they're just these old guys to me. Right. As a kid. And, uh, you know, it took years for me to appreciate them. And now I obviously very much so do. But I had my own taste, my own thing. And I kind of wanted to rebel and not be the same thing my dad was, uh, especially once I you know did put it all together. And uh, I listened to it's kind of funny. I listened to a lot of rock and roll and things like that growing up but uh but I always liked country and I always had country uh with me and always always stuck close to me but my artists that I really liked a lot uh that influenced me were a lot of the artists during the 80s and 90s and uh it's kind of you can kind of hear it in my sound and it's what I hear as country music um but George Strait long way to get to this road huh George Strait uh was a big one I love Alan Jackson obviously I mentioned him already um and uh Actually, I was like a funny story. I was really impressed when uh, I'd met George and I'd met Merle and all these guys. And then we were playing at a fair, I think it was. And uh, we were part of uh, Alan Jackson's tour as well. And uh, he came on the bus and was, you know, just in awe of dad. And uh, I'm just in awe of him. And it was, it was just really weird. But uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of funny. Now that I think about it, I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. What a goofball I was. But um yeah, and I mean, uh, I mean, what a nice man he is too. But anyway, um, Clint Black was another big one that I really, really liked and influences my sound. A lot of the Western music is what I like. Texas Western, well, I get my Texas hat on. Texas music, um, Texas swing. You know, I love Bob Wills. That's mm-hmm. going way back. But, you know, Farron Young, love Farron Young. Uh, I like some of my dad's music, obviously. Um, yeah, like George. I mean, all the those standard icons that you think of. I like, but the ones that you may not think about are some of the '90s artists that I really, that are '80s and '90s artists that I really like. And George Strait, man, I mean, yeah, I, I really, I kind of wanted to when I started developing my own, started trying to develop my own sound here and things. I kept thinking, I was like, man, I kind of, I kind of like what he does, but your sound takes you where it's going to take you. You don't end up copying somebody else. You end up 
thinking that's what you want to sound like. And then you kind of move in your own direction. And uh, I'm still, I feel like I'm still, still kind of searching a little bit, but uh, I'm, I'm getting closer to what I think my sound is. But yeah, those are kind of some, some of my influences. So yeah. I like Willie too. Willie Nelson's a good one. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You can't go wrong with Willie. And I tell you, it's, yeah. it's interesting you bring up George Strait because I, I do hear uh, influences of George Strait in, in songs like, like that last one. And then every once in a while, I'll hear a little inflection that sounds like your dad. And, but, but you can tell just some of those influences that, that are in there. And uh, I, I think what a great way to carry this thing forward. Some artists, I think when they're starting out, they, they really, and I did too, you really kind of wonder, it's like, what is my sound? What, what does that even mean? Yeah. And it's just, honestly, you start picking up, you know, as you listen to music, these, these little unique uh, things, inflections and pieces, and it all kind of falls together to kind of create, well, this is what I know this is supposed to sound like when I sing. So this is what I do. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah. And then finally, when you get to a later part of your career, boy, they, you, you really are able to, uh, hopefully it comes sooner, but you're able to create your own unique pieces. So anyway, but yeah. Well, it's interesting when you say that, you know, I think about Ernest Tubbs starting out, you know, some of that oh, earlier yeah. stuff. I mean, he was so inspired by Jimmy Rogers and so much of that earliest Tubbs stuff sounds just like Jimmy Rogers, because yeah. that's really all he wanted to do was be able to emulate him. Yep. But to see that evolution from the beginning to, to where he ended up as uh, he did find his own sound along the way there. Yeah, you'll even hear some of that Jimmy Rogers sound a little bit in some of the earlier Merle stuff too. Merle, mm -hmm. very yeah. unique in how he sounded and what he and how he uh, his path. So yeah. yeah, yeah, between Jimmy Rogers and, and Bob Wills, I think those were probably the two biggest influences he had there. Heck yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> so you uh, spent summers as a kid, as you mentioned, uh, working first as a roadie and loaded, later as a road manager uh, for your father. Yep. Uh, and so I imagine that was probably sometime in the uh, in the 90s, probably early to mid 90s there. Yep, yep. And at that time you were dabbling in music yourself. What did that look like? Yeah, at that time <laughs> it was uh more that high school era and uh I was playing uh, uh a lot of heavy metal guitar. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh doing that thing where again just kind of rebelling away from what my parents are type of thing and yeah, uh it was funny though because even while I was doing that, I was still writing songs. And a lot of those songs came out as country songs, which yeah. frustrated me a lot. I was like, how can I turn this into a rock song, you know? But uh, yeah, 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 no, that's what I was doing at that point on my, on, you know, when I wasn't working with dad, obviously. Uh -huh. But yeah. Did, did you ever receive much advice from him? Uh, and if so, what, what would you say is the best advice that he gave you along those lines? Yeah, uh, dad, uh, I would write stuff, uh, write songs and, take him to him and kind of want his critique on it. It's like, well, what do you think? What, what am I doing wrong or right? And uh, he was always, always helpful with that. And uh, I think one of the mo proudest moments I ever had was I wrote a song and uh, it was, this was actually a, a metal or rock song, but I wrote this song and uh, just the lyrics took it to him. And he was, he was impressed with, he's like, where are you pulling this from your emotions for this type of thing? And he was impressed with that. And because uh, he was like, you're too young to be able to think this or feel this. So how are you doing this? And uh, the only thing I can come up with is, you know, it's either DNA or just watching, you know, him and the rest of these, these, uh, these gentlemen from uh, his time era, you know, maybe that's what, I don't know, did it. But yeah, that was one of my, that was one of my good memories with, with dad on that one. But yeah, no, he offered advice a lot of times. 
what did you learn by watching him handle stardom and the pressures of the music industry? Yeah. Um, that's probably one of the big reasons why I, when dad passed away, I kind of ran away from music, didn't want anything to do with it, honestly. And, um, it was just seeing how the business can be very, very frustrating and difficult. And, uh, it'll, some, some people will take advantage of it pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he kind of ar armed me with uh, a good suit of armor for that, uh, but I just didn't, I didn't want to think, I was angry and uh, disappointed and uh, just kind of ran from it because I uh, didn't want anything to do with it after he passed. Um, but yeah, there's a, you don't want to take any wooden nickels, that's for sure. Um, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's a hard business. Uh, nowadays though, it's, it's very different and the cards are really a lot more in your favor as an independent artist, um, yeah, signing a record deal is not the dream. Uh, it's actually kind of negative in a way. If you want that superstardom, sure. But uh, I mean, I highly doubt, and I, I don't imagine I'm going to get to that point in any way, shape or form. Who knows, but probably not. And uh, I don't fit the mold, but I can definitely see myself continuing to do this and uh, managing it, you know, myself. And I don't know, maybe retiring down in Texas and playing dance halls and I'll be happy with that. But yeah, it's uh, the business is very different now, especially with being able to, you know, distribute your music on your, your own. You don't have to search for a distributor yeah. and have to have a label to do that for you. Do it all yourself. Um, it's it's great for especially traditionalists like me. Um, you know, Mickey Lamentia, that's another guy that I know pretty well. He's he's doing it all himself. He's doing great. And uh yeah, man, you don't, you don't need, you don't need things you needed when my dad was coming up. Yeah. Um, and I'm doing it later in life. He had to take an entire lifetime, you know, and uh, it's just, it's very different now. So, and it's, I think it's better, but yeah, I, I'm not down in Nashville um, begging for anything. You know, if anything, I'm down there just trying to make friends and yeah, you know, uh, just uh, trying to enjoy what, what, what little bit of Nashville is left. What's the one thing that you would really love for folks to know about your dad that maybe they don't know or, or how you want to see him be remembered? I'd rather him be remembered for his artistry mm -hmm. um, and his music than his mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, he made plenty of mistakes. Uh, and uh, I mean, if we're going to get down to it, you know, cast the first stone, all that fun stuff. Um, yeah. It, it, he made a lot of mistakes, but that's just is what it is. He, uh, he learned from them. That's one thing you got to kind of give him credit for. He eventually did learn from it. Um, his, his life was hard on us at home, but he brought it together at the end. Um, and, uh, and he knew, he knew, he knew that those things were hard on us, but, uh, yeah, his, his, his ability was amazing. It honestly was. If you look at his writing, if you look at just the the, the tone in his voice, um, the things he was able to do, uh, it's it's pretty fascinating. I mean, mm -hmm. the fact also that it said he's a he was a he was a fighter. The guy went down into the into the into the lowest depths you can get, and then came right back out. And he had you know three four comebacks. I mean, that's it's kind of unheard of. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what is he getting known for? Is some 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 mistakes that he made and uh yeah i 
I get I get tired of hearing that. And yeah. uh, you also find it when you look up any any articles or you look up uh, uh, any any book that talks about historic history of country music. And that's what they want to that's what they want to focus on. And it's like, wow, you're really missing a large portion of the portion of the man and what he did and what he contributed to music. Yeah. But, you know, here we are. <laughs> what, uh, what, what I'm sure you get asked this question all the time, but what's it going to take to get him into the Country Music Hall of Fame? Because <laughs> in my mind, he, he deserves to be there. He, he needs to be there. I have said that for a long time, and mm-hmm. I honestly don't know. Uh, I wish I did. It's, you know, it's a board and uh, it's uh, it, it's just difficult. There's a lot of people that deserve to be in there. Um, I really, yeah. really hope that he seems to be he seems to always be on uh, the voting pamphlet every year from what I'm told. I don't know. But from what I'm told, um, it's just he, he it's either close or he doesn't make it. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. I wish they would. Uh, I wish they would uh, reconsider and, and, and put him in, but there are, yeah. there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors. No, you can get on their website. They, they've got him on there and they've had an exhibit before. So they, Look at uh, that slide, they, man. No. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think about, it, I was thinking about this last night, man, you think about him and in, in comparison to somebody like Pete Rose in baseball, you know, uh, yeah. at the end of the day, if a hall of fame is to be for, uh, uh, honoring and recognizing people for their contributions to their craft. I mean, Pete Rose definitely deserves to be for that. And, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Johnny Ben, the, uh, the the standard bearer for country music, uh, equally deserves to be in there. So anybody's listening with any kind of pull there, you know, Grand Ole Opry member, ACM Career Achievement Award in, in 1977, and, uh, you know, countless hits and and hits for other people and uh it just needs to happen so enough on that but uh and i tell you what uh you, you know uh did you get a chance to connect much with, with the children of other artists of your dad's generation i know i saw you give a shout out the other day to tyler co uh son of david allen co for the trailer for the long-awaited second season of cocaine and rhinestones which is just yeah. an incredible podcast kind of my guilty pleasure when i'm traveling to to listen to that. And I know a lot of people that are, really have strong ties to this music are, but uh, uh, what, what did that look like for you? Uh, do, do you still keep close ties with any of those folks? I do. Um, honestly, dad kind of, I think this was mom's call, but, uh, and what she's told me, I, she has told me it was her call, but uh, he, she wanted to kind of make sure we were kind of kept out of the limelight. And he did mm-hmm. kind of do that a little bit. Um, so, and, and we moved around a lot for whatever reason. So uh, I didn't have any real like solid relationships in my as a child with some of the other kids. A lot of a lot of the kids were that way um, because of just what our family, our parents did. But here later in life, um, honestly, heck, uh, Shooter Jennings, Tyler Co. Um, uh, I've kept in touch with Hank Three a lot, uh, Shelton quite a bit. Um, actually, I've probably known him longer than anybody, but. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've kept in touch with him quite a bit. Yeah, Shooter, Shooter threw me on the radio, uh, threw, threw me up on uh, XM uh, recently, which was really, really cool of him. Um, Tyler, uh, he, he thought of me and we did, did a quote for his, his really amazing article in GQ that just came out. Um, yeah. And yeah, by the way, that I'll, I'll have to plug that too, man. That, that podcast of his, Cocaine and Rhinestones, is amazing. It really is. 
he puts a ton of work into those. I mean, a ton. Um, and, uh, I mean, you would think he is a, uh, a college professor with a doctorate yeah. level degree doing that. Um, he might as well be, he, by the, if there's any university out there that wants to give him like an honorary degree, he, 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 trust me, he's earned it with this podcast for history. Um, and the country music hall of fame has been extremely supportive with him on that too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a great thing. Um, but yeah, uh, I've kept in touch with some of the kids, Georgette Jones, another one that I, I talk to occasionally. Um, they're honestly kind of the reason why I decided to, uh, just out of nowhere, like, I guess we'll do some music. Um, if, yeah, I decided that after I went to a, uh, an event called, uh, it was, a uh, the Outlaws Country Music, um, it was, a uh, opening for an exhibit at the, uh, Country Music Hall of Fame. And, uh, after the event and all that fun stuff, we went over to a place called Gold Rush there in Nashville and showed up. Set it was the Tucker family and Shooter was there, Tyler was there, and uh, we all were just it was, it was just hanging out and drinking and talking, and uh, it was like a homecoming in a way, and uh, it it just kind of changed changed the bulb for me a little bit. That I was like, man, I really miss this, and I miss these people, and uh, I miss this family. It's it's been gone for a long time, and the the, the unique things that we have in common that you just don't get with anyone else um being kids of country stars uh, yeah it was uh it it's it's a good feeling so from that i was like you know what yeah i think maybe i'll do i'll do something a little bit in music and just just to kind of have fun and here we are doing it and yeah hopefully we'll do it for a little while longer <laughs> i love that and you talk about shooter uh another one of his kin is on here tonight i see him on here way jennings the uh, grandson oh, yeah. of jennings uh, who's the first musical guest we ever had on this show and we just had him back on here for the two-year anniversary uh, a couple months ago so uh what's up to him i hope he's doing well with the with the new little one and the, and the family and everything and I tell you what, man. So, so despite all your musical influences in your life, you also had some other passions. You got a bachelor's degree in computer information systems, spent some time with IBM and got a master's in military strategy and diplomacy. And as we talked about earlier, have had a, a rewarding military career. You start strike me as a guy who has a lot of passions. And then when you find a new one, you go at it full bore. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, you got me nailed uh, down, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I like challenges. Uh -huh. um, I I really enjoy challenges, and yeah, this whole thing of well, I was just telling you, I was like, man, I think we found a lavender farm that we might buy and move there. And I was like, that's another business we could run. You know, my wife looks at me and is like, oh my god, what are we doing now? <laughs> that's always the way it is. Um, I, and that that energy and that that like it's an intense. It's almost like a pit bull, right? That intense focus on something and uh my dad was that way and i don't know if it amplified me or what but uh i mean yeah I, I went in and did i worked for ibm and did all this other stuff you know i got into computers uh after deciding yeah i'm not gonna deal with music and my dad was mom and dad were supportive and i was like all right i'm gonna go do this and uh my goal was i'm gonna work for i want to work for one of the major corporations and i got there and then i was like wow i really hate doing computers this, this is not what I want to do. And, uh, but I completed my goal and the same thing with the military, um, the fire department too, you know, I got where I got and I was like, man, I'm happy with this now. Now I want to do something else. Um, I don't know if it's a Hemingway type of mentality about things, 
I mean, think about Hemingway and everything he did. I mean, it's like, I'm not seeking adventure, but I do like the challenge and I enjoy being like with the music. Now I enjoy being creative and I've missed being creative for a long time. Um, but, uh, yeah, coming back in to do this, I don't know where, I don't know where the end of this rainbow is yet. Um, and we're just starting it. So yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what success looks like yet. It may be, maybe it's already happened. Maybe I'm happy with, I created this album. I love it. We'll get it out there. See if everybody else likes it. And if they do, I'll, I'm already planning to, I'm already writing and planning on the next two albums. Uh -huh. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where it's going yet, but, uh, I'm having a good time with it so far. Well, this rainbow yeah. we, we talk about now these days it seems like it's being billed as neo-traditional uh country yeah. music i don't know where that uh that, that term came from but i've seen it bandied about a lot lately are you comfortable with that label i guess um it it's to me it's it's just country music but if you if you say if you say that you get lumped into a lot of different stuff but i would rather be set apart from a lot of the current country music uh it's it's just not it's it's pop music now it's not bad there's good you know pop country and everything uh i don't like when artists uh get upset about being called pop country and they are it's like yeah. well why are you upset by that don't be upset by that be proud of it and take off with it you're doing great why are you whining about it don't whine yeah. uh <laughs> if, if you're going to be uh traditional be traditional yeah. And yeah, that's, that's just where I fit and what I enjoy. Well, I tell you what, man, uh, it, it's fascinating to me that, that you're coming back after some time away because I've had a few artists on here lately that are doing the same thing. It's like they've, they've done it, they've gone, lived another life, and now they're coming back to it because they feel that pull to it. And, uh, you know, I, 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 for one, I'm glad you're back in the game here, bringing true <laughs> country music back to the country here. And before we go any further, I want to share another song of yours along those lines. This one's called Half. Tell us about this one. This song was uh, it was written for my wife. And uh, it really uh, kind of sums up me in a way. And it's kind of, I don't know if it's me or if it's, if it's just somebody kind of midway in life or, or maybe not even midway in life, just somebody who's had some relationship experience and it just hasn't really worked out well. Um, and then finally, cause it's kind of how it is, right? Finally out of the blue, you didn't expect this person to come along. And then it's like the light bulb clicks and you're like, Oh, I like you. How did this happen? I wasn't looking for anybody. Right. I kind of figured it was, this is done. I'm done. I'm not messing with this anymore. Right. That's kind of how I, I think a, a lot of guys, especially kind of end up in that, that rhythm. But uh, that's that's where it was going with this, and it was really kind of written about my wife. Not even maybe it wasn't written so much about me, but uh, a character that is me, kind of thing. Well, we're gonna let you check this one out for yourself. This is John Paycheck with Half on Fast Line Fast Track. Living on wasted days, crying over broken dreams. You can hit it hard, break it at the seams. Trying to just live my life, wanted kids and a wife. But the cards just didn't fall I didn't push her away I didn't pull her close Sometimes fate just doesn't care Staring out there tonight Trying to make a half into a pair Always wasted time Trying to save my mind 
Deciding if I should stay or go Thinking what should have been Instead of what could have been My heart I just couldn't show I always run away Laying on the safe side This is how my story goes Staring at you tonight I think this half could make a pair by your side I feel that I'm alive This story seems all brand new My eyes can finally see Right where I want to be My heart can't hide from you You give me hope again That these halves can make a pair Walking this earth with you Always feels so true I could take a breath Follow along with you It's hard to move You don't feel home You're like fire You're my cold You let that sun pour in Filling up my dark My whole world a sky of blue You give me hope this half could make a pair Being by your side I feel that I'm alive This story seems all brand new My eyes can finally see Right where I want to be My heart can't hide from you You give me hope again That these halves could make a you give me hope again I think these halves can make a pair Real country music from John Paycheck what you're going to get from here. Good song. Pretty good song. <laughs> you know, just as you were preparing to dive back into the music career, COVID happened. How did you use that time to get things in order so you'd be ready to hit the ground running once things started to open back up? Yeah, we uh, we had started the recording and getting everything ready to go to do this album. And we had me and my buddy, uh, Scott, who uh, Scott Gabby, who he actually helped write some of the songs on the album. I think he, he wrote... Uh, he helped write four songs on there and uh we both both wrote them but anyway um he uh me and him went out to uh oh man it was a uh, where did we where, where, <laughs> I forgot, forgot the state oklahoma we're not to oklahoma and uh we we're out there with uh uh the the pig man uh brian quaka his hunting show and we were uh there for this fest that he does and playing music for the the people there right and uh that was the last uh show we got to do because covid happened and uh came back home and we're like okay well what are we gonna do now so we just sat down started writing and that's when we pushed through and got the album uh done and uh, we were gearing up for this summer and i don't think this summer is now going to happen uh, i also have to follow some other rules and regulations because of the army but uh which kind of limits me a little bit right now um not too terrible but yeah it's uh 
thank goodness for being able to do things over the internet and uh, and not having to actually be out because um, otherwise, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how far this would have gotten. We'd have had to wait another couple of years probably. Um, uh, real quick though, uh, that steel guitar player that we mentioned is uh, Steve Henson. Uh, real good, amazing guy uh, playing uh, sessions down there. And he uh, used to work for George uh, Jones. Um, Ashton Shepard was mm -hmm. the, uh, the lady that's singing on there uh, doing the background vocal on uh, half. Um, and Tom Harden, uh, uh, Dave Francis, James Mitchell, um, Blair, oh, Blair Masterson. He's played for Garth, uh, keyboard player. Uh, Carl Miner, yeah, all those guys. Those were all the guys that were on the album with me. Amazing, amazing session artists and uh, artists in their own right too. Uh, just want I got to mention my my guys, right? That, that well, they it's, it's kind of funny you teed me up for my next question. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like you're reading from my playbook here, which is going to be you know this just doesn't happen alone. You got to have right. a great team around you, and uh, you know how did you go about putting together that team? Not only musicians, but producer, uh, bookers, PR, the whole nine yards. Well, uh, I got in touch with. Uh, I was hanging out actually with uh, uh, Mickey. We were talking about him. I was hanging out with Mickey on, and then just he invited me out to come to the studio uh, there in Nashville, and I was like, All right, I'll come out and hang out with you. And I like Mickey, so yeah, why not? Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's a good guy. And uh, when's he going to do my show is what I want to know. I've, I've reached out to him about 20 times here. He, he, I'll bug him. I'll bug he's, him. He's kicking the can down the road. We need to get him on here one of these days. I'll bug him. But uh, he, he was the one that uh, uh, introduced me to uh, uh, Bill McDermott. Yeah. Producer, right. Yes. And uh, yep, worked with Bill. And I had a I had some art, some some artists I had in mind already just because people I, I know um and passed those names across the table and we ended up coming come with uh coming with some other artists that he came to me with and uh this is what we ended up with i went went through a few um went through a few different vocalists i was real picky about that but uh everybody that we ended up with was outstanding so is that the time that mickey did the session with with bill and uh and uh, uh buddy cannon as well is that the no uh that was that was a little bit a couple think a couple months or maybe yeah a couple months or so down on the road from yeah. when i was hanging out with them but yeah and yeah melanie cannon and all them man they're they're cool they're they're that's an amazing family right there yeah God yeah they are. yeah <laughs> that's a great uh and for anybody unfamiliar with uh, uh bill mcdermott anytime i can get his name out there he actually produced our theme song working man here done by dustin oh, right. collins uh who, who does work with ashton shepherd too so it, see, it all kind of comes full circle here once you start connecting those dots here uh -huh. it's, it's, it's a small family it's a small family for sure mm -hmm. and uh man just a, what an amazing talent i can't tell you how many artists i've had through here in the last couple of years that that bill mcdermott has had a hand in, in producing their albums and it's 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 all lights out one of the great things about bill is there's a lot of Nashville producers right now and it's just a, it's just the, the way the business has gone. Um, mm -hmm. but they'll, they'll bring an artist in, they'll sing and then they won't want them to, to go in and tweak anything or mess with anything. The artist, they won't want them to do that. They're like, just, okay, just sing it once and then I'll fix everything and we'll just get it out the door. And it's about quantity over quality. And, uh, Bill isn't like that. Bill is, he, he's good at, uh, uh creating artists uh, artist development. Um, and, uh, honestly, uh, he, he's about as close as I could get to finding a, a producer that would actually take time with me 
yeah. and work with me how I want. I wanted a producer to work with me. Um, I'd love to find a Billy Sherrill out there somewhere, <laughs> but those are once in a lifetime guys. Yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, but, but, but Bill McDermott's pretty, pretty good. He's pretty good. He's, he's riding right up there. <laughs> it's so fun to watch him work, man. Such a creative guy and such a great ear and so quick to, yes. to come up with suggestions and, and uh, man, just sharp, sharp guy. Well, I tell yeah. you what, what's on the horizon for John Paycheck, both in the short term and long term? Well, we got uh, actually next uh, Saturday, we got two more songs coming out. Uh, Old St. Pete, which is a kind of a blues country song about me in a bar with old St. With, with St. Peter and trying to convince him not to send me to send me to hell and <laughs> let me get into heaven. And I'll bribe him with some wine. But anyway, it's a real funny song. Great song. Um, and then uh, we've also got Honky Tonk Blackout, which that one is uh, that is the next uh, upbeat song tempo wise that I got um, uh, in, in the pack on this on this uh, album. And uh, I think people are going to people are going to like that one. Uh, it's that Lone Stars song we put out earlier. That one is uh, is kind of the only song I really I felt that would be good for radio, um, uh, and I didn't want to I didn't want to cater to radio, so we had to you know because you've got time requirements and all that fun stuff and tempo and yeah we uh, we didn't really do that too much but honky tonk blackout is about as close as you're going to get to that but it's a fun song and it's a dance song it's something that people can dance to which I, I wanted and uh, yeah you, that that's coming out on uh, Saturday. And then after that, we have two more, um, a song about, uh, being out on the ocean. And, uh, I don't know, we're not going exactly a Kenny Chesney route, but it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's tropical kind of feeling. I like that kind of stuff. And then, um, we've got, we got one, what, what, what's the other one we got? We got one more that's coming out, uh, Outlaw Sun. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say anything about that one. Uh, it's not a tribute. Uh, it's a Western, but it's, uh. You'll see. You'll see. That one's coming out the next month. So, yeah. Hey, make sure and after you... that long term, I, I don't honestly, I don't know. We're playing it by ear because of COVID mainly. Yeah. But we'll have another album probably out uh, next year too. So, and, and we'll mention this again at the, at the end of the show, but make sure you head on over to johnpaycheck.com and, and keep on top of all that so you know when those songs are coming out and, and follow them on all those socials. Uh, in the yeah. end, when all said and done, what will it take for you to consider this music career a success? Honestly, that's a that's a heavy heavy question, isn't it? Um, for me to consider it a success, see, I'm not searching for. I, I've got it in my blood. I enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. <clears throat> I'm not. I'm tainted a little bit because of seeing how it was when I was a kid. Yeah. um and, and what the industry is um but being able to do it on my own has kind of changed things a little bit and i think really all i'm looking to get out of this is have some fun be creative and uh i really would love i'd really love to uh it was a joke kind of but it's really serious and me and my wife would talk about it too it's like once we hang it up here um be nice to head to texas and just fade off into the sunset playing uh playing the dance halls and uh sharing music that way you know i mean that's about all i think i could ask for i mean if it's if anything bigger comes out of it i would always reconsider it yeah uh all right i should say consider it but uh yeah i don't know i don't know well you're also a lover of horses and rodeos and all things yeah and what, where did that come from being a guy who lived in the in the midwest uh, predominantly <laughs> it's a good question so 
we traveled a lot right on the road and uh every time we headed to gillies or every time we headed down to uh uh uh, uh, uh bobby mackey's or any of those places you know man it was it and played the rodeos i loved that that was my my favorite thing about uh going on the road with dad and uh man i got into watching rodeo and it was kind of hard to do because it wasn't a big thing you know, we're living in, you know, Ohio or, or in the Midwest, you know, and we lived in the South too, but it wasn't a, a huge thing there either. So I, I just followed it. And that was kind of my, my thing. And it kept, it was always in the background. And, you know, it was always funny if uh, somebody came by and they, they knew who Lane Frost was. And I was like, man, you know, rodeo too. Cool. Let's talk. But uh, yeah, I've always loved it. Um, and uh, during the summer, during uh, a few summers, I got, instead of going on the road early, I'd help out with uh, uh, family out west out on their farm, and man, I just I just enjoyed it from that. And you know, I don't know, it was just the thing. Plus, like, this is not real western, but watching westerns with my my dad and all that kind of stuff brings back a lot of memories and just a simpler way of, a simpler way of life, a hard way of life. I mean, I picked up a hard way of life too with the military, and uh, I can I can I can respect it and you see less and less of that now and you see you know blm uh becoming a problem for for ranchers you see you know all this happening that it's like wow are we just forgetting like where does our food come from are we forgetting you know the this whole section of america i mean now you got me on a soapbox but i mean and i can i can gripe about this quite a bit but um and i'm i'm part of the government in a way but uh yeah it's just I don't know. Uh, I have such a admiration and respect for I mean, one of my best friends is a farm family up in Indiana and uh, the cold stores. And uh, I, I always have him. He's always sending me pictures of, you know, them out, you know, uh, 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 tilling or, you know, out, out bringing in crop. And it's like, man, I really miss that. Mm-hmm. But because uh, I'd, I'd hang out with him on the farm, too. And uh, it's just yeah, where it came from, I guess, is that. But yeah, that was a long way around for that answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all it's all good stuff. Uh, in addition to being a singer songwriter and a military veteran, one of the most important jobs you have is being a father to three girls. How old are they now, and are any of them musical? Yeah, no, uh, they're all doing something with music. Um, uh, our uh, littlest one, uh, she's uh, ten. And uh, she's uh, playing violin and starting maybe getting into clarinet. And then uh, the 11 and 11, they are uh, clarinet. And uh, uh, we're looking at flute, I think, is where the other one might be going. One of them likes guitar real well, too, Kelly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they're, they're all starting to figure it out and head in that direction a little bit. Um, I'm not going to push them any either way. So it's up to them to decide if they want to do it or not. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kids. Being a dad is probably one of the best things in the world that uh, has ever happened to me. And, you know, I it, it was a complicated father-son relationship growing up and with, with a dad who was always gone. Uh, so I've always tried to uh, make sure that I'm around as much as possible and that I can, uh, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm raising my kids. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, it's been great so far. But when they get to be teenagers, I'm sure I'm going to regret that a little bit. <laughs> So, yeah, I'll give you a call back and we, we can talk about that. That'd yeah, 
<laughs> Another hobby you have that I found fascinating, comic book collector. When did that passion begin? <laughs> How deep are you into that today? Uh, I don't know where you got that one, but I do mention it occasionally a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I'm actually going to post a picture of that. I've got this room in the house that we call Nerd Lux, and uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's all kinds of Star Wars memorabilia. And, I mean, it's all that stuff I grew up with around the 80s, right? And late 70s, you know, I was born early or late 70s. So, I mean, picked up a little bit of Star Wars, came out and all that. And, yeah, comic books and Star Wars and video games and all that kind of stuff. Shooter, he's he's a nerd too. Uh, so, yeah, he, he likes his, his, his games and BBSs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, BBS, you ever heard of the billboards in a long time, huh? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I got into that and when I was a kid and it was, you know, I always had comic books around and like Venom and Batman and all that kind of stuff. And it kind of made a resurgence, right? With all the Marvel movies. Yeah. And uh, my, uh, my wife has a company that is making shirts called Nerd Lux. And that's what the name of the room downstairs. But yeah. And uh, they're, they're, they're funny, funny cartoony shirts that uh, all deal with, you know, board games and video games and comic books and stuff like that and yeah 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 we we are a nerd family a little bit too that's awesome very, very complex over here i guess <laughs> <laughs> that's what keeps it interesting the spice of life right i know right yeah <laughs> tell you what, before we get out of here tonight we, we've talked about it a bit teased it a bit we want to share the latest single lone stars which was just released and already making its ascent up the music row chart tell us about that song Man, Lone Stars is doing real good. Um, it's uh, it's really just a song about going out and drinking with your friends, and there's always one of it, one of you who's considered the famous one of the bunch, no matter what. And uh, I mean, uh, it, it's it's just just really just a good time drinking song, and uh, it, uh, it it really kind of hit home now because I miss being able to go you know, to, uh, to a bar and, and hang out and everything and be around people that I, that I love. And yeah, that, that, that kind of, kind of, kind of hit home a little bit once we uh, started writing it and getting it out there, but yeah, it's, uh, it's done real well on the charts. Uh, seems to just keep moving up, which is nice. So means other people like, like traditional music a little bit too. So that's good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I love it. It's a great song and we're going to let everybody else listen to it right now. This is Lone Stars. Fast line, fast track. Well, I drink, but I don't smoke. Spend my money till I'm half broke. Keep on loving like it's going out of style. There ain't much that I won't say when them skies are turning gray. Stand tall when I paint that town. Lone stars and crowded bars. Fast women and slow guitars. Where all my friends are famous for a while. Well, let's chase them blues away. 
The state of Texas just threw the doors wide open to you. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of Texas going on in there. And I, I love Texas. I really do. And I love Waterburger as well. So, uh, yes, you and me both. <laughs> yeah, right on, right? About once a month, I see the debate in and out versus Whataburger. To me, hands Man, down, Whataburger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, no no yeah. questions. Say, say, save the emails and the comments. I, I stand by it. So all good. John, if folks want to follow your career, find out where they can catch you live or, or download some music, pick up some merch, whatever they want to do, where can they go to do that? www.johnpaycheck.com. Pretty simple. And make sure you go follow him on all the socials. I know he's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go follow him there and, uh, and go go check him out. Make sure you go download that music wherever you download your music. Pay attention to what he's doing. Do that. That's your homework. Go get that. Go get uh, some of the old. Uh, hey. Go get some of the, the get That's the uh, get the classics. Yeah. And, and, and figure out where we got from there to here and where it goes from there. And uh, John, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track tonight. You're welcome back here anytime. You got new music you want to share. You just want to hang out and talk country music history. I would love that, man. And, and uh, I know it took us a little while to get here, but boy, I'm, I'm real happy that we, we finally really met on like this and everything else and got to talk. And man, it's, it's been good. I've been having a good yeah. time. Thank you. I've been reaching out to him for about a year and a half. And I think for probably about the first uh, year, he probably thought I was just a crackpot here. But uh, oh, glad- you're busy, man. It was busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we finally got this one down because uh, it's one I've been looking forward to for a long time. And man, I love your music and I love where you're going with all this. 
Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Really, really do. You don't even know, man. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank you for listening this week. And I wanted to let you know that this is my final episode with Fastline Fast Track. I'm moving on to another project, but I wanted to thank you so much for the love and support you've shown me in this show since day one. We couldn't have accomplished what we have without you. And be paying attention as Fastline Fast Track will be paused after this episode, but new episodes might be forthcoming. In the meantime, please continue to support my friends at Fastline. And if you're ever in the need for farm equipment, please check out the all-new Fastline.com with the revamped price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. Again, that's Fastline.com. And while you're on the website, please make sure you sign up for the print catalog for your state or region. It's still being delivered directly to your door, and it's still a favorite resource of farmers and ranchers across our great country. And we want to send one last shout out to our musical sponsor, the Ernest Tub Record Shop, 417 Broadway in the heart of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. We really appreciate their support over the course of this show. And don't forget, they've got a great selection of vinyl, CDs, and merchandise. And if they don't have it, I know they'll find it for you. So stop by and say hi and tell them you heard it on Fast Line Fast Track. Well, it's time for me to get on out of here. But again, thank you so much for being a part of Fast Line Fast Track. Head on over to FastLine.com or your favorite podcast directory and check out the back catalog content of the show, which features interviews with so many ag industry newsmakers and incredible traditional country music artists. For now, this is Brent. Adams, Fast Line, Fast Track, and I'm out.